Let's welcome Ann Peterman. Let me introduce her because she will break this down. She's been working on this issue for quite a while. She is the executive director of the Global Justice Ecology Project, which she co-founded way back in 2003. She's also the international coordinator of the campaign to stop GE trees and a founding board member of the Will Miller Social Justice Lecture Series. She's been involved in movements for forest protection and indigenous rights since 1990 and the international and national climate justice movements since 2004. She has played a key role in the global effort to stop the release of genetically engineered trees into the environment for several decades now. In 2008, she led a campaign demanding a global ban on GE trees that won an historic decision on GE trees from the UN Convention on Biological Diversity, warning countries of the dangers of GE trees and urging them to use a precautionary approach. And Peterman participated in the founding of several climate justice groups, including the Durban Group for Climate Justice in 2004, Climate Justice Now in 2007 in Bali, Indonesia, Climate Justice Action in Copenhagen, and the U.S. Just Climate Justice Alliance. She has traveled all over the world, speaking to UN delegations, community groups alike, uh, about the social and ecological dangers of GE trees and industrial tree plantations, including their exacerbation of climate change. And generally, we know Anne for her work on a grassroots level, uh, working with frontline communities on the really their efforts to protect the environment. And also she has the Global Justice Ecology Project has partnered with Sojourner Truth. I think Anne might've been since 2009 or some such with our weekly Earth Minute and our weekly Earth Watch. And Peterman, thank you for all of your help and support. And we're delighted that you are able to join us today, Anne. Thank you very much, Margaret. And yes, it was 2009. It was uh, during the Copenhagen Climate uh, Summit that we started working together. And it's been a great partnership, I have to say. <laughs> really, I, I just can't believe it's it's been that long, but uh, but it is. So, Anne, um, uh, you know, a lot of the justification for people who want this GE uh, American chestnut is that without it, uh, the American chestnut won't survive. This is really important. And therefore, they have to go ahead and release it into the wild. Uh, before we talk about the problems with the USDA only allowing 45 days, tell us what are the concerns? I mean, do they have an argument to say that this is what needs to happen? And if it is released, what are you worried about? What are the concerns? Sure. Um, the American chestnut was a dominant tree in eastern U.S. forest ecosystems until, um, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, there was a combination of overlogging, massive overlogging that was happening, especially in the southern part of that range. Um, and then this introduced blight, this blight that came to North America around 1901 on a Japanese chestnut tree um, to which the American chestnuts had no or little resistance. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the 
um, overzealous activities of people trying to stop the spread of this blight to other chestnut trees resulted in an even greater devastation because there was massive logging of healthy trees to try to stop the fungus from moving. And so, you know, there is there could very likely have been, um, you know, resistance within the wild chestnut population if that had not been done. But because, you know, millions upon millions of chest healthy chestnuts were logged in the attempt to stop the blight, they also, you know, um, cut off the ability of the chestnut to adapt on its own. There are people still working on that, however, who are breeding remaining wild chestnuts, American chestnuts that have survived with each other in the hopes of getting a chestnut that is, in fact, naturally blight tolerant. That would be the ideal, right? Would be to bring back the wild American chestnut that is truly a wild American chestnut by breeding individuals that are, in fact, um, naturally blight resistant. But in the same, you know, in the same kind of vein of of what happened back then with you know this disastrous impact on forests because of trying to stop this blight from advancing. We have the same same kind of mentality going on now with people who say that we can save the American chestnut by genetically engineering it and putting this blight tolerance trait, which actually comes out of a grass into this tree. You know, this is a transgenic this is a transgenic um, uh, operation here where they've taken genes out of a completely unrelated species and put them into this tree in order to uh, convey blight tolerance in this tree. And now uh, in 2020, actually, the researchers who are doing this from the uh, Environmental Science and Forestry School at the University of, at the State University of New York in Syracuse um, actually filed a petition with the USDA to um, get permission to deregulate it. So it would basically they could send it out wherever they wanted to. It could be planted anywhere. There'd be no monitoring, no tracking, no way of knowing where this genetically engineered American chestnut is. And <clears throat> excuse me, the, the process has continued. And now there's actually a public comment period, which is why we're mobilizing right now is to get people to, you know, plug in to submit some comments about what the USDA um, is planning to do, which is to approve this petition. The USDA has indicated that they think that would be just dandy to release these genetically engineered trees into wild forests, which, as you pointed out, has never been done anywhere ever before, um, and especially not in the United States. Uh, but, you know, why don't we go ahead? We, we They seem to be confident that there won't be any impacts, even though there's actually no science, no science at all to indicate that there wouldn't be any impacts. There's no science to show what will happen with these trees in a few years, not to mention a few decades or even a couple of centuries, which American chestnuts are known to live over 200 years. So it's it's um, it's really bad science what's going on now uh, from the, the um, overzealousness of the researchers to get these trees out there to the USDA completely um, ignoring its responsibility to make sure these things are safe and saying, yeah, it looks good. Let's go ahead and do this. Yeah, you know, and just just listening to this, I mean, it's so alarming on, on so many levels. Uh, one, I mean, so many of us, me included, a great lover of trees. I've been doing, you know, as just a lay person, um, whatever reading I can about uh, forests and about the interrelationship 
of trees, even under under the ground, right? And how they relate to each other, how they support each other. And the idea now of introducing what basically, even though they're saying it's an American chestnut, but as you say, it is uh, trans um, transgenic. Is that the word you use? A transgenic operation. Yes. So it seems as though it's kind of, a, a new species in a way, because this is a grass being integrated into a tree. And who knows, as you say, they don't know what impact that would have in the system that forests have developed for thousands of years, right? Um, in, in terms of their relationship with each other, their relationship with the environment. So one has to wonder, why this push and why this approach, as opposed to putting resources into the natural way of doing it? As you say, there are some people who have been able to, um, you know, to uh, protect these trees uh, from this uh, fungus or from this virus. Um, and Peterman, one has to wonder what is really behind that. I mean, we've seen what has happened with the, the GE seeds, right? and the the havoc that that has uh, caused on the environment and Peterman. Yeah, the what's behind it is, is exactly the concern. So when the petition was filed with USDA to deregulate this particular strain of this genetically engineered American chestnut, which is called the Darling 58 over one of the major benefactors that funded its research, um, we call it the D58 for short, this uh, genetically engineered American chestnut was only grown in outdoor field trials for three years when they submitted this petition for its deregulation. So um, they really, as I said, have no idea what the, what the long-term impacts in forests will be if this thing is released. So uh, yes, your question, why would they be doing this? What What is the point? Um, of course, they argued they want to bring back the American chestnut, but as you point out, this is it actually a an American chestnut tree? It's some kind of um, facsimile of an American chestnut tree that could do many weird things that American chestnuts never did. So um, who is behind it is has been something that we've done a lot of looking at. And in fact, in the 90s, there were companies and company representatives who talked about the American chestnut as a potential test tree or a poster tree for biotechnology in forestry because they were experiencing um, a lot of pushback from, from the public. And over the, the subsequent decades, there's been an enormous backlash of public opposition against the idea of genetically engineered trees, especially industrial trees for plantations like eucalyptus and pine and, and so on. So they wanted to find a tree that they could bring back, quote unquote, with genetic engineering um, that would be a conservation, quote unquote, initiative. So they they found the American chestnut and they decided that would be their poster tree to try to win over public opinion. And that is exactly what they've done. So Duke Energy has put in an enormous amount of money into this. The Forest Health Initiative, which is another industry conglomeration. Monsanto's been involved. Arborgen, which is um, one of the world's largest genetically engineered tree producers, has been involved. Um, you know, it's it's really been an industry push to get this tree um, 
out of the laboratory and into the forests as a way, as I said, to convince the public that GE trees are really beneficial. They can help the climate. They can help biodiversity. But, you know, this could be a total disaster for forests if it is released into the environment, into forest ecosystems. It could have a devastating impact on wildlife that depend on the chestnuts, on wildlife that are, you know, live in the forest. There's just no way to know. They did some studies, some risk assessment studies um, that are in the petition. And when they did the pollinator feeding study to see what the impacts would be of feeding pollen from these genetically engineered chestnuts to bumblebees, they didn't even use genetically engineered tree pollen. They used non-GMO American chestnut pollen mixed with the uh, enzyme that's been engineered into the tree. You know, it's like these these uh, these researchers don't even understand what biotechnology is. It's not just mixing stuff together in a little dish and you you know you paste it on a leaf. You know, it's it's actually introducing DNA from an unrelated species through a you know a highly technical um, process into the cells into the DNA of the tree. It's I don't know. It's 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 mind boggling the things that that these folks do and imagine that it's it's not um potentially fraught with complications risks and dangers yeah and and i mean remember when they said well the ge uh seeds g plants was gonna uh you know um halt world hunger and you know all kinds of of reasons were being used and and what it, i find also uh scary is that if they succeed in getting away with this to me, it really is sets the stage for a justification of more uh, transgenic stuff, of more GE, you know, GE, not only trees, but God knows what else, because as you say, it's, it's you know, selling it to the public, you know, who doesn't love the American chestnut? And this is the way, this is the way to, um, you know, to help it. And one quick thing, too, for somebody like myself, you know, dealing with, you know, pollution and the impact on your lungs, et cetera, who knows um, when you're inhaling that pollen, uh, not only for people, but also for the critters um, who, you know, who come in touch with it. But Anne Peterman, for people who are concerned about this, who want to find more about it and who want to find out more about the Global Justice Ecology Project, what should they do? Well, I'm going to direct people first to our public comment um, action alert, because we really want people to submit comments, letting the USDA know that this is a terrible idea. And that is at stopgetrees.org stop-ge-trees. So stopgetrees.org slash stop-ge-trees. People could find the action alert and that'll give you all the details you need on how to submit comments, some sample comments that you could take a look at, some background information, our, our white paper that we wrote on the issue. So there's lots of good information there. And if they want to know more about Global Justice Ecology Project, you can just Google Global Justice Ecology Project or just go to globaljusticeecology.org 
and you'll find all the different things that we do there, including a lot of work on climate change. So I'm very happy that you've got Tina on as your next guest. Right. And and uh, and you and all of you at Global Justice Ecology Project, we have to thank you because you all are long distance runners. You have been doing this. You've been staying on top of it and you don't fall into the, the trap of these false solutions uh, that are being put forward, including that of GE trees. So, and Peterman, I'm sure we'll be talking with you again soon. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you, Anne.